Hi, this is Doug Beecham. Thank you for joining me as we continue in our podcast study of the book of Hebrews. This is actually number 42 of all the podcasts that I've done that actually started back in uh, 2019. Uh, I'm not exactly sure which podcast number it is for Hebrews, but uh, you can follow and uh, see where we are with all of this. I ended the last podcast by talking to you about going ahead and reading the latter part of Hebrews chapter 6. Because after giving a warning, after the sh- after really sort of shaming his congregation at the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6, giving warnings to them, and then shifting again back to the confidence that we have of who we are in Christ and the assurance that we have, he wants to tie this assurance back to faith and patience as we inherit the promises of God, which leads the writer directly back to Abraham. And again, this is part of this Old Testament background that is just absolutely critical, not only actually to understanding the book of Hebrews in particular, but of understanding everything that the New Testament is about. He begins in verse 13, for when God made a promise to Abraham, you remember the end of 12, that, that we imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He uses that as a link to go back to talk about the promise that came to Abraham. It's important that we recognize in 6, 13 through 20 that the emphasis is not on the law of Moses as important as it was and, and the divine law that was given to us. Rather, the emphasis is on the faith that Abraham showed in believing God's promise and the faithfulness of God to Abraham in the promise of the blessing. This whole thing of promise and blessing, it's it's, it's like putting together pieces of a puzzle that just link one, one to the other. All this is possible because of Jesus. And Jesus in 620 is called the forerunner. This is the language out of ancient races. The forerunner in Greek is the prodromus, the runner who wins the race. Jesus is the, is the runner who, who finishes ahead of everybody else. This is Jesus who by his death has entered the most holy place and made the once and for all atonement for all who will believe. It's through this activity that Jesus connected in the fulfillment of the blessings the promises to Abraham. Jesus is taking on again part of his function as, as, a, as the great high priest. All of these things are connecting back to the high priestly ministry of Jesus, that Jesus becomes our eternal high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. That's how chapter 6 ends. This thing about Melchizedek that began in chapter 5, after the order of Melchizedek, And it runs in several places there. It's connected back again at the end of chapter 6. And now in chapter 7, we get the fullest biblical exposition of of who Melchizedek is and his relationship to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 7 is a significant chapter for us. I mentioned in a previous podcast that there are six specific scriptural citations about Melchizedek in Hebrews chapter 7. 
and all of the remaining verses, there are 28 verses in that chapter, they all revolve around Abraham and specifically Abraham's relationship to Melchizedek. Remember that at the end of Hebrews 5, the pastor remarked that this figure, this discussion about Melchizedek was hard for the listeners to understand. But it was not difficult because of the difficulty of the Old Testament revelation. But it was difficult because of the dullness, the slowness of learning, the lack of attention, the lack of discipline, of hearing of the listeners. I can't help but uh, think about when I when I was a college teacher. Students would come in and tell me they they just had trouble remembering what they had read, particularly students who didn't know didn't didn't do well on tests. And it's partly out of my own experience, an experience I still continue to to try to do even today. I tried to give them give them some sense of what it is to be able to, if you please, hear what they are reading, that is to learn. And I would tell them, I would say, take, when you, when you read out of your textbook, read a paragraph. Just stop for a moment and ask yourself, what did that paragraph just say? What's the important date? What's the important name? What's the important theme of that paragraph? If you can't identify that and say it to yourself or even say it out loud, Go back and read it again. This is an issue of concentration. And as you begin to do that, you add a second paragraph. You add a third paragraph. You go to a page that you can read, and you're able to look at that, and you your brain becomes oriented towards attention to detail and identifying what's the important stuff. I learned that if, if a student, and I've learned this about myself, if I can commit 20 minutes of concentrated time on a particular book or a particular assignment and not be distracted, you know, put away our smartphones, focus on what we're doing, that you can, we can accomplish a great deal. Well, that's, that's sort of what the writer of Hebrews is saying to his audience. In this issue about Melchizedek, it's not because this is all that difficult. It's because we are distracted about other things. And in that distraction, we miss the importance of what the Word of God is teaching us regarding who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Hebrews 7, 1 through 3 introduces Melchizedek in relationship to Abraham and a particular incident in Genesis 14. You see in Hebrews, and if you're not familiar with the phrase, the slaughter of the kings, you need to go back to Genesis 14. The first part of Genesis 14 is about actually the first sort of what we would call world war or regional war that's described in the Bible. You have a coalition of five kings against the coalition of four kings. You have the rebellious states of Sodom and Gomorrah specifically identified along with some others who are rebelling against a ruler called Chedorlaomer. And uh, they've been in submission to him, but now they decide to rebel against him. Now, what gets Abraham involved in this is that Abraham's nephew, Lot, had made a decision to go down and live in the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. It was, it was a great place to live. It seemed to have had fertile fields. It's not like the Dead Sea area now. 
back prior to the destruction, it, it, it was a great place to be. It apparently had a thriving economy. The problem is it was morally corrupt. It was corrupt with violence. It was corrupt with abuse of people. It was corrupt with sexual immorality. And the specific sin of homosexuality is identified as part of the corruption. And the Abraham gets involved because his nephew Lot and Lot's family gets caught up in the chaos of this war. Well, I'm not going to spend the time to go back and tell you more of that story. You can read that. But this is the first time in Hebrews where Melchizedek's already been mentioned in relationship to Psalm 110. This is the first time, though, the connection is made to Abraham and the introduction to Melchizedek in Genesis 14. The previous references to a Psalm 110 were to a Messianic royal psalm. It was in that psalm that the connection was made between Melchizedek and Jesus as the great high priest. We'll come back a little bit later on and say a little bit more about that connection and, and why that's so important. In the first three verses of Hebrews 7, here are some things that stand out for us. First, Melchizedek met Abraham and he blessed him. It's important in the story, Abraham did not search out Melchizedek. Instead, this priestly figure took the initiative to come to Abraham as an act of grace. I find that really important. This is characteristics of God's love that seeks us. God's grace is revealed in God's actions toward us. It's God who really initiates salvation. How many of us in our sort of evangelical context, I've said it in preaching, I'm sure many of you have as well, an invitation to come to Jesus. Uh, in reality, though, we are responding to Jesus coming to us. It is God who initiates conviction in our lives by the Holy Spirit. It is God who, through his Spirit, reveals the truth of who Jesus is. It is God who is seeking us. You find this in the powerful parables in Luke 15 uh, of Jesus giving these three wonderful parables, particularly the parable of the prodigal son. It is, it is Jesus who is searching for us. It is grace. Secondly, Abraham tithed. That is, he gave a tenth of, of his booty that he had, he had garnered in the, um, in the victory that rescued Lot and others. He gave that to Melchizedek. He did this in response to the covenant blessing he received from this priest. The tithe was not a legal response. It was a gracious response to being blessed. It, it, it was an acknowledgement of a blessing one had received. And then third, the description of Melchizedek in Genesis actually has him named in isolation from any ancestor or descendants. Think about this. When you read the Old Testament, almost all the people are identified as this is the son of so-and-so or he was the father of so-and-so. But Melchizedek stands sharply in contrast to that pattern. It was so significant that the writer of Hebrews says that Melchizedek was, quote, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of days. There's no birth date. There's no date of death. There's no statement Melchizedek was the son of so-and-so. The writer uses this link 
to compare Melchizedek to Jesus, the Son of God. Now, of course, we all know who Jesus' father and mother were. We know his heavenly father, conceived by the Holy Spirit. We know his stepfather, his earthly father. Uh, In fact, his genealogy is described by both St. Matthew and St. Luke. So the point about Jesus in this text, in terms of his father and mother and genealogy, the point is not about that. The point is about his deity. And the figure of Melchizedek points to that, that, that Melchizedek has this forever quality because there's no beginning reference, there's no ending reference. And he is a type of the one who would come, who has no beginning and no end, the one named Jesus. Um, We're going to stop here, and we're going to pick up in our next podcast uh, as we continue uh, later uh, in more and more of this material in Chapter 7. I hope you'll take time to continue reading Chapter 7. There are going to be some portions of it, particularly in relationship to Levi, that that are will require you, as I talked earlier about giving some attention to study, going to require you to put some focus on that. But it's worth your time because you're going to see some things that are very important about Jesus that are more than just intellectual knowledge. They become avenues of the Spirit helping to shape us as followers of Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining me. Look forward to you being with me next time.